The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Rowan Nadler. We have my esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, who will join us in just a moment. And Kathy and I, between us, have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. We always like to bring you new information, cutting-edge ideas that you can use in your organization. So today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Patricia Adson and her daughter, Jennifer Van Homer, who is a certified coach. And together, they have put together um, this book called A Princess and Her Garden Fable. And it's really around an, an awakening and arrival uh, of individuals. We'll actually have an opportunity to hear a little bit about the story, and given that they're both working organizations, I think will be uh, very, very uh, interesting for us, and we'll have a series of questions like we always do. I'll give you a little bit of uh, input just in background about uh, both Pat and Jennifer and then uh, bring Kathy on. So Dr. Adson is currently a uh, certified Hudson Institute coach, and she has a private practice, and she serves on the leadership team of the Hudson Institute, so one of the uh, renowned um, Coach Training Institutes. She's written two other books, Finding Your Own True North, I like that title, and Helping Others Find Direction in Life, and also Depth Coaching, Discovering Archetypes for Empowerment, Growth, and Balance. And we have a couple questions about that. And then the collaboration with Jennifer, A Princess and Her Garden. And it just came out uh, last month. So it's hot off the press. And then Jennifer is a master certified Strozzi Institute somatic coach, and she also is a certified Hudson Institute coach. She, in her 30 years of experience in leadership and team development and strategic uh, planning, has enabled individuals and corporations to uncover and articulate their intentions and formulate goals. Jennifer is the past HR director and training and development manager at Patagonia, where she worked for over uh, 10 years. So we'll come back uh, to that, and then let me just say a word about Dr. Kathy Greenberg. We'll bring on Kathy. Kathy, as you know, has authored uh, multiple books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know, her latest number one bestseller, What Happy Working Mothers Know, and Kathy touches millions of lives as a speaker, TV, radio, media personality. She's also the founder of her executive consultancy, which is called H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People. And she currently offers friendly tips, tools to be your best at work on her TV show, ABC's The Morning Blend. And she has a new web uh, TV show, Your Happiness Now. And 
She also has a new iPhone app that's about ready to be released, also called Your Happiness Now. Her website, if you want more information, is www.h2cleadership for some of her free downloads and access to your true talents and happiness. So, Kathy, welcome. Dr. Relly Nadler is a master-level certified executive coach, psychologist, corporate leadership, and team trainer. And Dr. Nadler brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and, of course, development programs. Dr. Nadler's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across industries. His highly respected work is the focus of countless business journals, blogs, and online news features, and his programs are a mainstay at leading Fortune 500 companies. You can visit him at truenorthleadership.com for free emotional intelligence iPhone apps and downloads to access your best performance through emotional intelligence. Relly and I are also celebrating the one-year anniversary of the launch of our Excel Institute, where excellence stands for, um, for Excel, X-C-E-L, stands for Excellence in Coaching for Executive Leadership, and it's where emotional intelligence meets performance. So, Relly, perhaps you can talk a little bit about some key reasons why we continue in our fourth year here on Leadership Development News. Sure. Thanks, Kathy. Well, Leadership Development News, what we want to be able to do is give you some tips and practices that you can immediately apply. So when we talk with Pat and Jennifer, hopefully there will be some aspects that you can say, oh, that's interesting to think about, bring to your team. And the reason is that the leader is the emotional thermostat for the team and how they feel often the team feels. They have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of the team. And so... A way to uh, move up in the organization is to work on your leadership skills, some of the things that we're we're doing here. And typically, if you look at emotional intelligence, how smart someone is, IQ, techno expertise, it's these emotional intelligence tools, tips, practices that allow someone to move further up in the organization. And the good news is, one, that you can learn that, uh, emotional intelligence tools and tips, and two, your happiness and how you feel about your life uh, is not uh, static. And so, Kathy, maybe you can just say a word about the set point, and then we'll get into our questions. Sure. You know, one of the things that we know is that happiness does have a set point, just like weight or hair color. And the best news is that 40% of that set point is influenced totally by your habits and behaviors. So even if you're perhaps a 50% glass half empty, you still have the capacity to influence your happiness by the habits and behaviors you practice every day. And at Leadership Development News, we talk about all the simple habits you need to be successful. And at the Excel Institute, we can teach you how to practice these very behaviors. So please visit us at excelinstitute.com for time-saving and cost-conscious workshops and webinars throughout the year to help you access your best leadership and your best performance ever. Okay, well, let me say a little bit uh, further information on both um, Pat and Jennifer. So Pat, Dr. Adson, was a former school teacher. 
She taught in high school, and while pursuing her master's degree in education, she began working with children with emotional and behavioral disorders. And it was this experience that inspired her at the age of 49 to enter a Ph.D. program in educational psychology. She received training in licensure as a psychologist and a psychotherapist and began working with individuals, families, and groups. And this fable that she'll uh, tell us about is really where this has uh, started. And a word uh, about further about Jennifer. She's also the co-author of a very, very cool game called The Relating Game, 96 Ways to Sustain Your Passion Over Time. It's a deck of cards designed to stimulate conversation and emotional intimacy with your partner. I mentioned that she's uh, certified at the Hudson Institute. She's also certified in several assessment tools like the DISC and Trimetrics and has extensive experience in, in all kind of HR and training issues. So, Pat and Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. You know, ladies, we always start our show by asking a very simple question, but the two of you on on the show at the same time may not be as simple as we anticipate. So (laughs) we'll give you each an opportunity to answer the question. What or who are the biggest influences or have been some of the biggest influences on your lives and uh, and perhaps have influenced why you do exactly what you do now. This is Pat. I'll start. And, uh, uh, you know, I could go on for about an hour with the answer to this question, but in terms of my professional life and what I'm doing now, my biggest influences have been um, uh, Carol Pearson, certainly, the author of The Hero Within, and, and the work that she draws on from Joseph Campbell, and Carl Jung, and between Carol and uh, the poet David White, and also the um, Frederick Hudson and Pam McLean of the Hudson Institute. These are the greatest influences in my professional life. And, and Jennifer, how about you? Yeah, I would have to say, um, you know, the the what I'll start with, um, you know, certainly is um, you know the natural world, nature. Um, my time at Patagonia was highly influential in terms of um, how I see what's possible inside of organizations and how people can coordinate and move together. Um, so hugely influential in how I work now. Um, in terms of the who, I would say uh, Frederick Hudson had a, a very large impact uh, on my learning and how I see learning as adults and uh, the continuous learning all the way through death, really. And then, um, of course, really the biggest influence in in my life um, right now and and recent history has really been Richard Strozzi Heckler um, bringing forth the whole somatic element of learning. And for me, that's a, a key there. It was really the missing link in terms of being able to be in choice and uh, just how we move in our lives. And Jennifer, can you just help the audience understand when you talk about somatic learning? Hmm. Yeah, so that's really the um, working with the body or the system that we're living in. So a lot of ways that people might um, look at it now might be sort of looking at emotional intelligence, and this is really requisite to that. I mean, really noticing what is the sensation that is a precursor to um, uh, maybe I might say I'm anxious, and one might ask, well, how do you know that? And so it's really entering into the wisdom of the body and what that has to, how that might inform us as we move through um, different experiences. Thank you. And then uh, 
Uh, Jennifer Fat, maybe you can just say a word about some of the different organizations, industries that you've been applying. You both have a little different uh, focus, but then we'll get into actually the book and some of the uh, aspects about that. Um, I've spent a lot of time in healthcare, places like Kaiser, Pfizer, the entertainment industry, government, um, anywhere from NASA, NASA First programs to Sandia National Labs, outdoor industry, legal. So it's all, all relevant in, in any kind of industry. Well, we're going to take a quick break, so just hold that thought. Don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. 
Leadership Development News. Today we're talking with Dr. Patricia Adson and, and Jennifer Van Homer, mother-daughter team, who actually wrote the book. We'll hear about a princess and her garden fable. Both of them are coaches working with executives and, and organizations. So, Pat, maybe you can tell a little bit about how did this idea for a, a book uh, come about? The idea for the book came about many years ago when I was working with a group of women, actually a group of women who had been sexually abused as children. And I learned so much about them because they were very, very good at taking care of their own children and taking care of other people and very other-directed and very poor at taking care of themselves. So I started to think about how we really learn as we grow up, how to take care of other people how, and, and how little we learn about caring for ourselves. And I wanted to put this in a language that didn't have pathological overtones to it. And so I thought about this story and uh, wrote it and gave it to my group as a Christmas present. And I'll, I'll briefly tell you the story and then tell you how it worked for them. Okay, great. The story is that on her birth, the princess was given a beautiful garden that contained the potential of everything she would ever need, but she could not care for this garden, and she had to get the king and the queen to care for it instead. And as she grew, what she learned to do was that she realized that there were ways that she had to take care of their gardens in order to get them to take care of hers. So she learned what pleased the queen, and she learned what kept the king from being upset or angry with her. And she learned a lot about their gardens and how to care for them. And ultimately, they had the most beautiful gardens in the world. And as she she grew, people came from miles around to see their gardens. And a prince came by and saw their gardens and said, I would like the person who cares for their gardens to care for mine. And ultimately, he and the princess were married. And the princess was very sure of herself in her role as the princess of other people. And she realized if she cared for the prince, he would care for her garden. And therefore, that worked for a while. But after a while, she noticed that he wasn't taking very good care of her garden. And she asked him what was wrong and couldn't figure it out. And ultimately, she found him in the garden of someone else. So she went to her ladies-in-waiting and asked them what to do. And they told her that she had to make him understand that he was supposed to take care of her garden. And when this failed, she became very angry and lashed out and destroyed his garden and kind of took a whack at the king and queen's garden as well. She realized that she had failed as being the princess of other people. But when she got back to her own garden, she was devastated because she had no idea how to take care of it. A wizard came along and offered to help her. And the wizard gave her some tools to take care of her garden. And the wizard helped her build a fence around it. And ultimately, the wizard gave her the key to the gate and left. And the princess felt she had failed once more because she never was able to take care of the wizard, and the wizard had not ultimately taken care of her. So she looked around in her garden and saw that there was nothing that she could do 
except care for this little child that she found huddled in the bottom of the garden. She began to pay attention to the child and what the child needed, started using some of the tools that the wizard had given her, experimented with what grew there and what didn't, and ultimately learned to keep other people out and to stay out of other people's gardens. And she, her garden flourished. The child ultimately became indistinguishable from the princess. And she once again had a beautiful garden and uh, was very happy. A king came by and saw her garden and said, I wonder if you would like to share my kingdom with me. And she said, no, I would not like to take care of anybody else's garden. It's taken me a long time to learn to take care of my own. And he said, that's fine, because I don't want someone to take care of my garden. I want someone who knows how to take care of her own. So it's possible that she lived happily ever after. That is the story in a nutshell. And uh, what happened was that the group began to use this vocabulary and and, uh, had a great deal more freedom in terms of what they were thinking about in terms of caring for themselves and uh, uh, began to talk to each other in terms of, of understanding that they didn't need to keep, they didn't need to make other people understand they needed to understand themselves. So uh, I used this for many years, and ultimately the, the, the journal came about in that Jennifer inspired me and worked with me uh, to, to, get, to make this journal happen so that the reader can use the questions in the journal and the analogies and metaphors to help her become the queen of herself instead of the princess of other people. It's so powerful to listen to the story, Pat, and, you know, myth and story are such powerful ways of getting people to cross over into taking ownership by listening to it as though it's happening to someone else. So how how do you two, now that you have the story and the journal, how how do you use this with um, a wider array of audiences, obviously, uh, leaders and other people who can make use of the story in a different way? Lots of different ways, and, and I'll speak to it, and I'd like Jennifer to speak to it as well. But I, the the idea is that it's so much uh, easier to begin to, you know, as what Relly was saying earlier about the the uh, the leader being the the emotional thermostat, you know, um, to to understand these concepts of emotional intelligence, of taking care of being in charge of your own feelings, when you can look at it in terms of of what what is your responsibility to take care of. And uh, Jennifer, can you speak to this a little bit as well? I mean, I think it's a great way in terms of story or metaphor. It's something that we can um, put in between us and start to look at and talk about. Um, you know, uh, looking at having somebody give us an example of, um, you know, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, instead of talking about boundaries, maybe just like if you were to have a garden fence, you know, what does that look like? Um, how does that take care of you? How does it not in the workplace? Um, what kind of tools or implements do you have? Which ones don't you have? Um, are you able to weed out different kinds of behavior or um, avoid or uh, let things bypass or not? 
Well, it's just a different way to engage with people about um, how they're organized in themselves. And we know, you know, all of us working with leaders, uh, often we talk about being inspirational and, and we encourage them to be transparent and, and get in touch with some of their own stories. And I think even that, that kind of that hero's journey, you know, what's been your struggle? How did you get through your struggle? What's the resolution? You know, that's where people really relate easily to each other. And psychology is called the coping model versus the expert model. You know, we, we don't relate to experts because we say, oh, that's not me. But the coping model, and that's that story, that's that struggle, and how someone resolves it um, really resonates in us as, as human beings. And I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about this, because it sounds like Pat and, and Jennifer, it's, it's around taking care of yourself, and whether it's self-care in the EI world, they talk about self-management, you know, or some of that. Why, why do you find that being so challenging for folks? And I know, Kathy, you can relate to this also in the work that you do. So, Pat, maybe you could start us off. I think it's challenging in that people don't really get taught this. Um, we teach. We, our whole educational system, our whole, the whole way we we raise children, we we teach them to to take care of other people in a sense, give other people what they want, uh, and, and so it's it, it is a it's a learned behavior, and but we don't, but so very often the insinuation is that if you are taking care of yourself, you are being selfish or you're not taking care of other people. And so to get across the idea that take self-care is a responsibility, not selfishness, is, is, is a difficult concept to break through. Jennifer, you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it's so, um, it is subconscious, uh, you know, in terms of how we're shaped and, and how we're brought up or the kind of, um, structure that we're in that we a lot of times live, and especially in the corporate setting, around assumed requests, you know, that, that somebody might mention that, that it would, wouldn't it be nice if we had this here in this organization, um, and um, there may be a listening just because of, you know, like if I take care of that, then everything's going to be okay here, and I'm going to be seen, and I'm going to be a star, versus, you know, um, really listening for is that is somebody speculating here or are they really asking for this to happen? Um, so I think it, sometimes it's very subconscious um, and we don't even know it's happening. And also many people live in a story that, you know, their worth is very much connected to the well-being of others. And, and so it can be easy. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't want to interrupt because I, yeah. I was intently listening. I do, I do agree with Pat and Jennifer, and I, I do feel in in the work that we do that it is so important to practice self care and self management before you can, indeed, as Jennifer was saying, respond to other people's requests. And often we live in an environment in the corporate world where we have underappreciative coworkers, where we have people who have been taking advantage of situations where we have been giving and kind and good. And, you know, it becomes very difficult to break away from that. So what I'd like to do, I'd like just take a quick pause. We're going to
to come back after a quick break, and I'd love to talk to Pat and Jennifer some more about how we can deal with some of those situations and help ourselves more. So don't go away. Thank you for tuning in to Tune Up Your Performance. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Are you happy with the management and leadership style of your organization? Do you think it could use some improvement? No matter the level of leadership at your organization, you'll be sure to learn something new when you tune in to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Through a unique lecture and interview format, we'll bring you ideas, questions, and answers that will help you run any organization, whether for-profit or not. Listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We are talking about how do you uh, tend your garden, and as from the uh, metaphor of the story that both Pat and Jennifer telling us about, you know, and how do you tend your garden? What's the what keeps the garden um, growing? What do you do about um, keeping others out? And so, as we bring this back to leadership development, let's say there's a person who has an underappreciative boss, and their boss is over demanding. You know, what could an employee do to build a fence to be able to take care of themselves in, in that situation? And maybe Pat first, and then maybe Jennifer can respond to that. Jennifer, I would like you to respond to that. Okay. Okay, Great. 
I mean, I think the thing is here is to look at, um, you know, what, what is it that has me say that my boss is underappreciative? And um, is there some expectation I'm living in about, um, um, about how I want this person to interact with me or to be with me? So I think that's the first question, and really looking at, do I have a request here um, for feedback? Am I, not, am I not asking for it? The other thing is, is um, to really have our implements sharpened, you know, um, you know, to have a nice set of tools in that gardening shed, so to speak, um, so that I have the capacity and the wherewithal um, to make a decline every now and then. You know, no, I will not work after five today. Uh, or um, to be able to have different moves so that they can create space for themselves. Maybe they don't have that move yet, so they're practicing a move that looks more like, um, I can't do this, but I can do that, and here's when I can promise to get it to you. Um, or, um, you know what, let me get back to you. Um, but it's always, you know, it's having a lot of tools so that we're not just stuck in a reactive mode of yes, 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 yes. And Jennifer, um, Jennifer I don't know if you or Pat have seen the movie Bad Bosses. I haven't seen that yet, no. Okay, well, it's a very humorous take on a series of bad bosses, both men and women, who are incredibly demanding. And, um, you know, it comes down to the wire where these uh, folks who work for these bad bosses decide the best thing to do, you know, is to find a way out. Um, and I'm not going to give the story away any further, but it's interesting how you use language like making space or giving alternative possibilities. So instead of saying to somebody, no, I won't do that, or no, I can't do that, to always end in a positive, to say, you know, I can do this, and I can deliver it to you then makes perfect sense to most people. But how do you get somebody to the point where they can have the courage, the courage to make that crossover? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And um, the answer to that is practice. And I think also um, really having a strong uh, sense of what is so important to me in my life that I would practice being different in this kind of situation. So, you know, it may be my own health and well-being. So uh, it could be that I am leaving at 5 in order to go work out um, so that I can maintain a, um, you know, an attitude and uh, a weight or, you know, a way of being that helps me be as productive as I can be. It could be that I want to be here to see my children's children one day. So my belief is that a very strong declaration or a statement declarative statement about what's so important to me, um, and then linking a practice, um, you know, and slowly uh, shifting and having ways to move into a more definitive way of being um, is, is the way to move there. But it's practice, practice, practice. It's not overnight. There's no quick fix here. Well said. So one of the, the things along with this self-care, building the fence, self-management, the different ways that we're saying this, it would be interesting to see, um, you know, have have the three of you on the, on the phone seen, is there a gender difference in the organizations that you've worked with, or is it, is it easier or more difficult for men to build a fence, say no? Uh, is it harder for, for women uh, in the organizational world to build that fence? What would you say? This is Pat. I would... I would answer that in terms of that it's usually women who are are more focused on 
taking care of other people, which is a natural biological aspect of being a woman. And, but I don't think that, that I, I think that the gender question is, is, you know, it's a good sociological question or uh, so forth. But I think we all, we may have, men may have, be easier for men to um, be more assertive in some cases, mm-hmm. easier for men to ask for a raise and for a woman to ask for a raise. But I think to focus on the difference is, is maybe not to focus on the real aspect that each of us has a need and responsibility for mm. that self-care and that it isn't just navel-gazing or, or uh, new age stuff to really be taking care of and understanding the way your mind and body work together and, and to understand that, that the importance of, uh, of being responsible for and responsive to your own emotional life. So I think that, that, that each of us has our own story. That's what's so great about being able to work through this journal. It's, it's not like a self-help book that says everybody should do A, B, C, and D. It's really the, what is your story? What is your garden? What is, what is it that you need? And just in, in thinking about the, the last question, too, it seems to me that one of the biggest difficulties people have is answering the question, what do you really want? Hmm. So this is a way to dig into that and understand it and get a sense of who you are, what's the meaning of your life, why you're here, what's, what grows in your particular garden. And, and Jennifer, any re- response to that? And also, Kathy, I'd love to hear your response. Uh, no, I have nothing further to say. Okay. Well, really, the only thing I would say is I, I do see a gender difference. Um, and and the, the gender difference specifically addresses what one is capable of and specifically experientially what one believes. When you were talking about the coping model versus the expert model, I, I can't help but say with a strong opinion that I do believe that men tend to look for the expert model that they follow, um, whereas women... I think differentiate more and look more for coping models that make sense to them. I would agree with that, Kathy. Thank you. Oh, I feel smart. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Riley, I could turn this on you too. You've got three women here on the phone. Yeah, yeah. So here's what you. You know, it's the it's the loaded question. The stereotype is, oh yeah, it's a little more challenging for for women. But I have worked with men who really getting them to say no, getting them to delegate, and it's for some of the same reasons that we're saying, oh, I don't want to burden them. You know, everybody's overworked already. I'll just do it myself. And to say, you know, no, that's what your team is there for. And, you know, you need to be able to delegate to them and let them push back, let them say no. But often, and it's probably more in the minority, but I have seen that even with men, that there are taking care of their people too much, therefore burdening themselves more than they need to. Interesting perspective. So we've got a couple other um, questions here that we wanted to talk about. Uh, you know, and Jennifer, maybe this aspect, and I think Kathy alluded to it, is just the, the language. I know from, from your work and watching some of your work, 
just the power of language and and maybe you can say a little bit about how you use that in your coaching and and in your training um you know and i think even the idea of of making requests and and bringing in new language to folks mm-hmm. yeah i mean you know my belief is and and uh and this is certainly an adopted belief uh, you know is that um, we create our futures through language and um and you know action happens through language as well and so our ability to be uh clear and concise about how we're communicating and especially related to leadership and action um you know it's critical what can i do what can't i do realistically i mean we're only as good as our promises so if i'm in an organization and i'm a yes 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 person there will be a point where i can't perform or fulfill and then all of a sudden my trustworthiness in the eyes of another will start to decline. So we have to really look at like what, you know, how much can I manage and what can I, you know, how can I be precise about that or at least stay in communication about those things. Um so it's a it's a huge piece of the work um that I do. Um it's both linguistics and then also it's it's through the body as well which we talked about earlier. um you know how we are in our structures how we sit and that might lead into the next piece about archetypes you know i mean how i hold myself will will communicate a world to somebody else you know mm-hmm. if i'm sitting slumped over in a chair somewhere it's kind of hard to be enthusiastic or seen as somebody that might be a great partner in the next project okay good uh, well thanks jennifer um We're going to go for a short break, but I'd love to kind of hear more from both of you uh about this idea of archetypes. You know, and Pat, maybe you'll be able to speak to that, you know, what is an archetype and then how do we how do we see that and bring that into the organizational world? So this is Leadership Development News and we'll be right back. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times best-selling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whatheavyworkingmothersknow.com, or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. 
Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. of using fables and the power of storytelling from their wonderful story, A Princess in Her Garden Fable. So let's get back to Pat and Jennifer. We were talking a little bit about archetypes before we went to commercial break. I'd like to ask you both, how do you use archetypes in your coaching? And can you describe some of them and how you work with them? This is Pat. I use them a lot in my coaching. And uh, my book, Depth Coaching, has to do with how to use archetypes in coaching. But briefly, the archetype is a pattern of instinctual responses that are embedded in our psyche. To, to give you a more a better picture of that, is we all have a caregiver archetype. We know how to care for other people. The species wouldn't survive if we didn't have that ability. It comes with it's the part of the original equipment. And we all have a warrior archetype, to stand, the ability to stand up for ourselves, to protect and defend ourselves. And so we have these capacities, and it's how we call on them in our daily life that can make a big difference. So as Jennifer was saying before, that, you know, you have, for example, if, if I'm the warrior archetype is not necessarily being an aggressor, but it's being assertive and stand, knowing where you stand. And stand. And if you stand up or sit up, you feel yourself 
you just feel a difference in your body, and that radiates, and is it, 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 other people experience it as well. And so you can call on that part of you when you need to. And so thinking about the garden story, we call on our warrior aspect to say um, uh, what it is we will do, for example. It's not just to say no, but as Kathy was talking before, to say not to say a flat no, but to say here's what I will do. So we can call on that warrior part to protect ourselves. We call on the caregiver part to, to nurture and soothe ourselves. Uh, and, and so we think about how to use these archetypes, not just in, in relation to other people, but how, to, how we use them to become essentially our own parent, our inner parent. Jennifer, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, inside of using the archetypes, um, you know, the way <clears throat> that I would work inside of there is really having people, uh, as Pat was describing, experience themselves in different uh, physical structures, you know. How does it feel to sit in a meeting, um, you know, upright and um, having your attention with what's happening in the room? How does it feel when I start to collapse in on myself? Um, you know, how does that alter my mood? Um, and how I'm feeling about what's happening in the world, both internally and externally. So it's a, a wonderful place for people just to start to notice as they're in there moving through their organization. They're always taking a certain kind of shape and just being aware of what that is and what it produces for them in terms of how they're experiencing the world. And how people are experiencing them. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like to ask a little bit about some of the issues that you get called into um, with, you know, for your work with your clients. What situations might arise where you get asked specifically to come and address some of these uh, archetypes? You know, this is Jennifer. And, I mean, the majority of the work that I'm doing, it feels like uh, people are generally making a pretty big leap. So in from a leap from being maybe in a position where they're doing a lot of um, sort of managerial or task-oriented type of work, and now they're being asked to be more visionary, you know, or step into more of what, you know, a leadership role per se. Um, and that place of moving from one state to another, and really talked about it earlier about that place where, oh, wow, now I need to make a lot of requests of other people to take care of the things that I've been doing so I can free myself up start to be able to see over the, you know, the, the land, really. We're looking at the garden metaphor. Um, another aspect that, that uh, uh, we're called in a lot for is when people are looking uh, to develop more range. Um, so say that I have a tendency to have a pattern of behavior where when things start to get heated up, I may be in a board meeting or executive meeting, and, um, you know, maybe I have a tendency to move towards anger pretty quickly, and I can't manage that very well. So in some ways, I betray myself and my intelligence and my presence in that setting. So it's really helping people learn how to um, manage that, you know, while they're feeling the urge of wanting to speak and instead sitting quietly and waiting. Or the person who turns into a wallflower, you know, in those moments where they need to start to stand up and assert themselves or share their knowledge. So it's really looking at 
you know, again, what are the tools that they need in their garden to start to be able to regulate themselves differently than they historically have. Much easier said than done, and it's, and it's a process. Now, I have, a, I have a question for you because one of the tools that Relly and I um, are using, and I'm using a lot of it, is the emotional quotient, the emotional intelligence tool by MHS. And we know that you can get a change in three to six months creating a report and providing coaching on those specific actions a person needs to take. What What is the turnaround time on a change in behavior that the two of you see using your process? Hmm. You know, I think um, three to six months you can start to see pretty significant changes. And, again, um, I am a real believer in daily practices um, as a way to make those changes happen so that we're slowly starting to initiate new behaviors over time. But that requires some serious, um, you know, self-reflection and being able to notice when we're moving into the patterns that no longer support us or that might not be appropriate in a certain setting anymore. You know, and we all know that that's, that's challenging. I think both Pat, Jennifer, you mentioned, you mentioned Frederick Hudson, you know, the founder of the Hudson Institute, and he wrote the book, The Adult Years, kind of about the stages that we go through as adults. And a lot of this is hard to do on your own, and that's why I think, you know, all of us on the, on the call are coaches. You know, having a guide and having someone who can really ask those uh, right questions to allow you to go a little deeper. But also, Jennifer, like you're saying, it, it provides that time. You know, it's like you have that coach that says, okay, we're going to be practicing on your uh, tennis swing or your tennis serve. You know, be here at 4 o'clock, and, and that's the practice. And that's the part that, that I think often some of the leaders don't uh, realize is, is the value of having that coach. So let me ask you, actually, this is interesting because this came up in some of the coaching conversations. What percent of people, of the people that you coach, have already had a coach? And the reason I ask that is um, often I find it's less than 25% of people who've ever had a coach. You know, I think that depends um, on organizations. Some of the larger organizations that I work with, um, coaching has been very uh present and prevalent in those organizations for a long time. So in those organizations, probably 50 to 75% have had coaches. In some of the other institutions that I work in that might be smaller or newer to this kind of work, then, you know, it's, it's almost zero. Yeah. And I work primarily with professionals, with doctors and lawyers and uh, other coaches, uh, teachers, psychologists, and so forth. And, and I think a lot of times, except for the coaches, I work with a lot of people who never heard before of coaching yeah. and have to be introduced to the concept. Well, that's kind of what I found. And I know, Kathy, I think we're getting to the end here, and I just want to make sure that we have uh, the follow-up for the book is A Princess and Her Garden, all spelled out, aprincessandhergarden.com. You can get a hold of the book. Uh, Jennifer, you can get a hold of at www.jennifervanhomer.com um, is, is one of Jennifer's websites. And, and, Kathy, anything you want to say before we bring us to a close? And I just want to thank both Pat and Jennifer for first bringing the story and the kind of a unique way of looking at uh, individuals and people and organizations. Well, 
No, I think it's been a great example of how the the work of uh, learning about, um, as as Jennifer called it, somatic sensations that preclude actions can be used and applied, and how one would go about um, approaching the subject on a very, if you would, kind of even keel without having to make anybody wrong and to bring to their attention some of the practices that they could do re- relatively easily and relatively quickly. Well, Jennifer and, and Pat, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing some of your <clears throat> wisdom um, on how you work with folks. Thank you so much for having us, Riley and Kathy. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And we always like to thank our audience for tuning in to Tune Up Your Performance right here with us on Leadership Development News. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.